Well, and for those of you who don't know, and uh, we invited or our assistant superintendent, Alan Wynock. He's been up here before in the spring, and uh, he said he wanted to be around to all the Idaho churches again in the fall. And uh, I like fall festival. I don't know if he does, so I invited him up. And so he, he's been around at the fall festival activities, and, and now he's going to share for us uh, today's message and also give us some announcements as well. So very glad to have him up here again, and I just need to put the microphone on him so uh, we have him speaking for later for those who might miss it. So thanks, Alan. So it's certainly been good to be with you folks again this evening or this weekend. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I've been in this region, this area, since 2005. We came there to Greenleaf, Idaho, to be the pastor at Greenleaf Friends Church. I served there for 17 years and wrapped up 40 years of full-time uh, pastoral and yearly meeting leadership. I was the general superintendent. I know you've had Jim Lashana here before. I did that job with friends in Indiana yearly meeting, which was eastern half of Indiana up into Michigan and the western half of Ohio was uh, the group of churches I worked with there. Then we came out here to Greenleaf to to wrap up. So I've done a big loop because I was born and grew up in Colorado. So I've kind of hopped around the country uh, doing doing work. And it's certainly, again, been good to be with you and just be working alongside of Jim Lashana, encouraging our churches and uh, and working with him. I wanted to tell you that I did enjoy the the cider weekend when I was back in Indiana. Uh, we had a group of people who got together and pressed cider. and We had a ball doing that, but not at the scale we did here. But I wanted to challenge you with something. You got a ways to go to have the world's biggest cider operation. <laughs> I thought of this last night about bedtime, so I stopped and looked it up. So I wanted to pass this along. We were stopped at a place in a, an old German town, Bern, B-E-R-N, in Indiana, and uh, there was a little historic museum there, go through all these different buildings, a little village from back in the mid-1800s, and they have there the world's largest cider press. Okay, so I looked this up last night, and there's a YouTube video, so you might want to watch it. This cider press, some guy that was an immigrant from Switzerland remembered this thing, uh, something similar, and he made it on this huge scale. So they press as almost as many apples in one press as we did all day yesterday. Now, and it's it's got a video of them doing this. They have an annual festival kind of thing there. Now, the bar that runs the press is cut out of one oak tree. So they would have felled a native oak log. They built this thing in the 1860s. And the the log, they, when, they, when they cut it out, it is... 30, I think it's 31 inches square, this beam is, and it's over 30 feet long. It weighs two tons. This, this beam that pulls down on the cider. And so just look it up. Burn Indiana Cider Press, you know, and it's, it's about a 10 minute video of them running this thing and talking about building it. So after all of our cider stuff yesterday, you might enjoy watching it and saying, you know, that'll put the engineers back to work around here. Saying, <laughs> In fact, you're going to have to build a whole new firehouse, you know, to, to, to hold the uh, to, to hold the cider press. But have fun with that one, okay? Um, I do want to mention uh, one thing. So you have it in your bulletin about that weekend or the emphasis on the 22nd of church planting. That's just something that evangelical friends across all of the United States are emphasizing that weekend. And it's not a big push that any one congregation has to do any particular thing. 
it's just a, a reminder and an invitation for us all together to be thoughtful about how we're working together in this arena of church planting. And with that, I want to pass along something that has just recently come up and invite you as Woodland friends to be praying about it. Uh, there's a lady uh, who who basically grew up and has attended uh, South Salem Friends her whole adult life over in uh, in Oregon, in Salem, Oregon. And uh, she recently had to move to Lewiston, and she's got a brother there, and she contacted Jim Lashana there in our church yearly meeting office over in Newburgh, Oregon, and said, could we start a new Friends Church here in Lewiston? And so we've got somebody beginning to pray about it and talking with uh with with Jim about that and just it's 100% at the exploration stage and just beginning to think about it and pray about it. I was up at River of Life Friends in Post Falls last Sunday. I, I shared this with them and just asked them to be praying about it along with her. Her name is Sherry Moore and uh, and she gave me permission to share that with, with other churches. So what I'd like to do before we turn to the scriptures here for a few minutes is let's pray for Sherry and, and make that part of our investing in in church planting is let's just pray with this lady and see what the Lord would open up. Lord, we want to thank you for this time that uh, we have had together here to uh, to sing, to pray, to praise, uh, to reflect on scripture, to bear one another's burdens and to celebrate together the work of the living God in our lives. And Lord, in that same spirit and mindset, we want to pray for Sherry this morning as she has just moved and she's getting reacclimated to living in a different place after living in South Salem for the last 50 some years and kind of reorienting life. And, and Lord, she just is looking around her neighborhood and saying, should we start something new? And she's asking that question. And, and Lord, we want to join her. And we know that what she's thinking about is way bigger than her, even if it's a home Bible study and begins there and, and begins to multiply. I just have no idea, but, but I told her we would join her in prayer. Give her discernment, give her leadership, bring people into her life that uh, can discern with her and, and evidence of the direction you want to give. So we, we simply want to join her this morning and pray that uh, you'll give her clarity. And if that's a piece, a step that you would have friends to take, I pray that you'll be opening those doors up and beginning with her and, and helping that to become evident. And Lord, we, we thank you that in your invitation in the Great Commission, you opened yourself up and invited us in to be a part of your reaching the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. And we want to pray that over her as she does discernment in uh, Lewiston right now. And we pray these things in your good name. Amen. Amen. So I'd like for us to draw some thoughts this morning for a little bit from John chapter 15. And to begin with, I want to read uh, John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 9 through 17. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. One of the things we do at Greenleaf Friends Church is we emphasize reading through the Bible once a year. We've done that for a number of years, and this year we published, uh, as we do some many often, a, a reading schedule. And uh, a few a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, as we were reading through, it came to the Gospel of John. So I'm kind of reading it because that's the book I'm supposed to be reading right now. And I get to this part, and reading through uh, chapter 15, I just paused, and I found myself thinking, I know I've been told since I was a kid that this is where we draw our church denominational name from, friends. And I sat back and I thought, what did Jesus really mean in that name? I have called you friends. And I found myself thinking about it, and I've really enjoyed it, and decided just to share some of my reflections on this, uh, for specifically as that's the name our ancestors in the faith chose. And it's not like there was this huge convention, apparently, where they voted on 20 different possibilities of names. I think it's more like we grew into it. So when friends began back in the 1600s up in the northwest part of England uh, and began to form into some kind of a group that actually was a pretty radical group for the day, uh, they, they called themselves Seekers. And then eventually they landed on the name the Religious Society of Friends. And to us today, that sounds really weird. You're like, ooh, where are you guys going? What kind of a cult are you creating here? You know, when in reality, what they were doing, we're in the 1600s. We're talking Middle English. It's a different way of talking, right? But also what they were doing and calling themselves a society is they were avoiding very intentionally the word church. Because they saved church for the body of Christ universal. They thought it was actually kind of arrogant for any single group of people to call themselves the church. Because collectively we're the church. And actually in the way they started out, they were trying to be respectful of the term and the whole body of Christ. But you know, you can only hang on to that kind of thing so long and eventually just simply call themselves the Friends Church. So any rate, here we are as friends. And I just want to take a little bit of time this morning and uh, to think about that and what Jesus meant. Now, I'm not going to talk this morning about, you know, traditions that have grown up or ways of doing things that have grown up. Instead, what I want us to reflect on is strictly out of the scripture and what where Jesus was driving at when he said, I have called you friends. These words from Jesus to his disciples uh, are in the second main section of the Gospel of John. So we're gonna, we're gonna narrow down in a minute to these specific words, but I wanna back up and give a little bit of context around them, because it'll help make uh, sense out of, more sense of, of what Jesus was saying to his disciples. So in the Gospel of John, you have chapters 1 through 12 is the big main section of the book, and there you have, uh, John is organized around what he calls the signs, and he's chosen seven miracles that begins with the wedding in Cana and the changing the water into wine, 
and culminates with the resurrection of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus, come forth. And throughout all that, you've got the I am statements of Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. To, uh, to one of Lazarus' sisters standing out there among the tombs, I am the resurrection and the life. So we have all of that woven together, the teachings of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And then there's this huge shift. All that is out there for the public, Jesus interacting. You get to chapter 13 and you find Jesus and the disciples together for the Passover supper. And the rest of the book, 13 up through the crucifixion of Jesus happens in about 24 hours. I mean, it's, that's really condensed down there. At the Passover supper, they're going to go out in the garden to pray. It winds up Jesus being crucified. This is how fast the last part of the book goes. And it begins in chapter 13 with the Passover supper and Jesus doing something very, very radical as the rabbi of the group, as the leader and the Passover supper beginning, he takes up the bowl of water and the towel and he washes the disciples' feet. And that whole section begins by by John saying, Jesus loved his own to the very end. He loved them fully. And that begins with Jesus modeling servant love by washing the disciples' feet. It ends with Jesus hanging on the cross and saying, it is finished. He loved them to the very end. The Bible text from which our name friends comes from is closely linked to Jesus' words to his disciples to love each other with a self-giving love that mirrors his love for his disciples. These words of Jesus to his disciples are located right in the middle of Jesus modeling and living out that kind of love. And we find our text right in the middle of all of that. So that's where we find it. And, and the low-hanging fruit that Jesus was telling his disciples that the world would recognize would be the love that they share for each other, the same kind of self-giving love that Jesus gave to them. And I've just found myself reflecting on that and thinking about how do we live that? And, and what, what I find myself saying, I grew up with this name having very little consciousness through much of my life of how high the bar Jesus set. Jesus set this bar so high. If I'm going to live into that name, whew, <laughs> that's way up there, isn't it? Like, I'm going to live that kind of life, that kind of a self-giving life. For five years of my growing up, my father uh, ran a cemetery. He was the sexton of a cemetery. And I worked for my dad. So I did it all. I dug graves. I filled graves. That's where I learned how to do concrete, setting headstones. Okay? So, I mean, I just worked with my dad all the time. But the thing... A sixth grade kid, that's what I was in sixth grade when he started. This thing you're going to get stuck with more than anything else, mowing the lawn. So I'm an expert lawnmower. You know, when you take a push mower and a five-gallon can of gas and head walking to the back, it's going to be a long day. (laughs) So I walked up and down. It was about 15 acres of cemetery and, uh uh-huh, like you get done and you start over. I don't care how big of a riding lawnmower you've got, man. You are on the go. So at any rate, up and down, up and down. And 
you know, this sounds really weird, but you, you begin to remember whose name on what headstone is where. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, like, how boring can you get cutting grass? You know what I mean? Um, so here I'm just, you know, 12-year-old kid, beginning to go past these headstones, though, that has this scripture engraved on it. Greater love has no man than this. And I, as a kid, I think this is really strange. Why is that on some of these stones? And I begin to look at it, and then I begin to pay attention to the dates, when these people were born and when they died. And then I do just a little bit of math and realize, oh, these were people that died during the Second World War. These were people who laid down on hand grenades or whatever. You know, and these are people who sacrificed their lives so that the people around them would live. And, and you know, even then, that kind of began to click inside this head, and it still does, that what could be done once then in that setting is the standard for how you and I live with each other every day. You hear what Jesus is saying? And this is the Jesus who is about to die on the cross. This is the Jesus who picked up the towel and the basin, and as Richard Foster says so well in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, Jesus redefined greatness. And Jesus is saying, I have called you to live that kind of life. And by the way, you live like that, and you're my friends. And I'm going, oh. <laughs> so Woodland Friends, I'm here to tell you that you have to do this perfectly starting tomorrow, okay? <laughs> No, it was just powerful thinking and I, and I've just really enjoyed reflecting on this and, and really, really want to encourage you to be thinking about it. You know, Jesus was saying now, I have called you friends. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And I, I've been reflecting on that. What was Jesus doing right there? And I think what's going on here to use terminology that we would use today. Jesus has taken these common people that don't have societal position, has invited them to be his followers, and he's saying, what I've done with you over the years that you've walked with me, that you've listened to my teachings, that you've done what I told you to do, you've, you've stuck with me, what, what I've done here is I've moved you, to use language we would use today, I've moved you from being outsiders to insiders. I've called you in. I've been opening up to you in these years that you've walked with me. You've watched me do these miracles. You've listened to me pray. You've, you've gone on assignments with me. You've gone where I sent you. You've listened to me. And yeah, you've screwed up a thousand times. And I've had to dig you out of messes and straighten you guys out when we're walking down the road and you're arguing with each other. But in all of that, I'm moving you to the inside as I open up to you the heart, the mind, the passions of God and the intents of God. And now, my friends, live it. Live it at the level that you see me serving you right now. 
and our radical, sometimes off-the-wall spiritual ancestors bequeathed us the name friends. And now, I don't, I don't really look at it as a quirky name, but as a biblical entry point where if I engage with that and think about it, it's going to take me deep into the heart of Jesus and what Jesus intends, not for us because we're a special bunch of people, but for all of his disciples. And wow, what an entry point for us to think about what it means day by day to be followers of Jesus. So Woodland Friends, that's where our name comes from. Now I want to make just a few observations about what it means to live into that name. So if you stick with John chapter 15, what begins that section where that we read from is Jesus telling that fantastic metaphor of what it means to be close to God. And he's talking about, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Abide in me. And that's step number one. We don't have to go out there and do anything big and great to head down this trail. What do we need to do? We need to day by day commit to abiding in Christ. Because whatever we do is going to be the, uh, the fruit of intimacy. It's going to be living in friendship with Jesus, absorbing his mind, absorbing his heart, his intentions, his purposes, his mentality, and and letting that shape our lives. And I just really encourage us to, to think about that, that it's not saying we've got to go out there and do anything really cool. What it means is if we're going to be live into that name friends, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to draw close to Jesus in an intimate, personal kind of way. And I want to encourage you that built in to practices of the Christian faith are some things that really, really do nurture this. And just remind you that that we emphasize in our churches things like daily Bible reading, a few minutes of quiet, of doing the radical thing, and friends actually are good at this, of taking time to listen, of waiting upon the Lord, of praying, of our gathering together on a weekly basis for worship. What are we doing in all of that? We're cultivating a life of intimacy. We're cultivating a, I am the vine and you are the branches way of thinking. We're practicing it day by day. And that puts us on the right trail of living into that name. Friends, I have called you friends. It's, it's saying Jesus started all this by, by giving an example, a, a, a picture here of intimacy. And I am going to work on that intimacy piece and abiding people. We commit to Jesus level then of self giving and loving engagement with one another, but it begins with intimacy with him. And we let Jesus grow that inside of us. So that's the first thing we do. We're going to live into our name, Jesus' name, for his disciples. I've called you friends. We're going to work on being an abiding people. And I encourage you to, to practice that. And then with that, we are going to have to pick up what Jesus said right here and commit to a self-giving love. And I, I just want to sit with that for just another couple minutes here and expand on a little bit. Because Jesus is making it very clear here that in the same way he was intimate with the Father and gave himself to serve 
and to love. He's calling us to walk in those footsteps. Now, the depth of that is reflected again in chapter 17, where Jesus is praying then over his disciples. And well into that prayer, Jesus goes on in chapter 17 to expand the prayer past the specific disciples, those original disciples that he had with them, to to pray for those that would follow in their footsteps, those that would believe because of the witness of those disciples. And Jesus said in chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. To live up to our name, we must also allow our lives uh, to be conformed to Jesus' intent to shape us into a people who abide in intimate relationship with the living God and let that shape us into a people who love intimately one another. Those two go hand in hand. And I'm just stunned as I look around me that the pattern of the world around us is fracture. Everything breaks apart, doesn't it? Everything breaks apart. And we've got gobs of conservative Christian people in this country in shock at how a nation is fracturing apart, isn't it? It's like, whoa, whoa. Can we hear the heart of Jesus? Of all things we should be doing to live prophetically in this world, we should be letting Jesus call us together. One in Christ. We will be living something that people are going to say, where did they get that? And that's the heart of Jesus. Not because that's our goal way out there. We're just trying to be what Jesus called us to be. We're trying to live into our name as friends. So Jesus informs in all of this, his his disciples, that they don't have to figure all this out on their own. Jesus said, we skipped over it, we're going to go back to chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples that the Spirit would be with them, that the Holy Spirit would guide them. And I want to wrap up with this. In chapter 16, Jesus promised his disciples the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide us, as it says in verse 16 of chapter 16. He will guide them into all truth. Now, you can throw that way out there and go, ooh, that's really cool. Or how about this context? It's in this context of being intimate with Christ, living as these disciples who are now see themselves as friends of Jesus, and they're living uh, into Jesus' vision of this unified in the Lord. And how about we we really listen to the Holy Spirit who can guide us into how to do that? who can day by day help shape us and lead us and be present and active and shaping us and helping us remain connected intimately to God's heart and God's intentions for us. And Jesus said to these disciples to whom he was saying all of this kind of stuff, I have called you friends. They had become insiders whom Jesus had shared all that the Father had made known to him. And early friends landed on a biblical name that is an ongoing declaration that we as a people who listen to Jesus and absorb all that God has made known through Jesus and his life and his teachings and his death and his resurrection, wow, 
that, that we have the capacity to live that and to share that. And all that Jesus highlights in the closing section of John, the most visible expression of our abiding, listening, and being shaped by God's intentions is that we are so living as a people in intimacy with the Lord that the Lord's steadfast love moves in us and shapes us to be a self-giving, God-like, loving people with each other. Again, Friends is not any more of a biblical name than any other church name out there. Churches tap into biblical terms. You know, we're used to being around Nazarene churches, and they love to say to us, well, of course, Jesus was a Nazarene. Well, how do you top that one? Well, if you're in the Friends Church, you top it by saying, well, Jesus called us friends. <laughs> but, you know, you see all kinds of it. The Orchard, River of Life, you know, the Abundant Life Church. What are we doing? We're trying to, to grab names that help us think about who we are in Christ and what Christ wants to do in us. I just encourage us this week to think about what it means for us to be a part of a tradition that picked up the name from John chapter 15 and what Jesus had in his heart when he said to us, I have called you friends. That's not pride. That's just a humble invitation for us to live profoundly, intimately with the Lord. And uh, what a gift from Jesus, huh? It is. God bless you, friends. Let's uh, take some time to pray together. Father, we, we thank you for this this exploration of what you meant whenever you said, you are my friends. Father, we're grateful that through the death, burial, and resurrection, through dying for our sins, rising again, that that invitation is open to all. Thank you that no one is beyond your reach. Thank you that everyone is invited. That if we would uh, trust in your son's sacrifice for our sins, and trust that he is living and ruling, that we are invited by a Savior and a Lord uh, to be friends of you. And so we pray that that reality would have been, would be the reality for everyone gathered here today. And if there isn't, I pray that such people who want to be invited and want to follow you would either pray this out loud or in their hearts with me. Father, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for rising again. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. I ask that I would live up to the name as friend of Jesus. And please see me into a fellowship, whether it be here or where I came from, to continue to follow you. Father, we ask that you would go with us, that we would carry this truth throughout the week and through the weeks to come. We ask this in Jesus' name.